Bible says, My soul fainteth for thy salvation, but I hope in thy word. Mine eyes fail for thy word, saying, When wilt thou comfort me? For I am become like a bottle in the smoke, yet do I not forget thy statutes. How many are the days of thy servant? When wilt thou execute judgment on them that persecute me? The proud have digged pits for me and are not after thy law. All thy commandments are faithful. Thy priests, uh, they persecute me wrongfully. Help thou me. They had almost consumed me upon earth, but I forsook not thy precepts. Quicken me after thy loving kindness, so shall I keep the testimony of thy mouth. Let's go ahead and pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we certainly love you. We thank you for your mercy and your grace. And Lord, I certainly need both of those this morning. Lord, help me to be a help to your people. Lord, I pray that your word would strengthen us and draw us closer to you. Lord, I pray that you would control what I say and how I say it. Lord, I pray that it would be clear and that it would be a help. And Lord, in all of our hearts, that it would draw us closer to you. And it would be used to strengthen us in our spiritual life. Help me to stay true to your word. And Lord, I pray if there's anyone here who has never truly been converted, Lord, I pray that even this morning they would repent and place their faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray and ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. I, I, like I said, Friday I, I went, went in here to Psalm, and the Lord had put this section on my heart on, on Friday. And so I decided I was going to preach from this. I did the series in Psalm 119 a couple of years ago. And, uh, and so I went back into this section of verses here. And even this, this morning I had mentioned, I actually had uh, several phone calls this morning with my mom. The first one was at about 5 a.m. this morning. And uh, that one, you know, the, the, it was... It was the other phone calls were, she was doing much better, but that one, she would, there was a lot of distraught there. Um, the crying, and she made the statement, she said, it's just overwhelming. It's just overwhelming. Everything's gone. And amazing how it fit with what the Lord had placed upon my heart with that statement, right in my introduction, dealing with the feelings of being just overwhelmed. There are times, just like with the psalmist right here, Remember when we went through this series, we, we don't know who the author of Psalm 119 is. When I went through it, we, 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 we looked at the three likely possibilities that are given, that being Ezra, David, and Daniel. And the most two likely uh, um, ones that are attributed to it is Ezra and David. Um, I lean towards Ezra pretty strongly, but I certainly could see this being David as well. There's a lot in here that you can see. Um, coming out in both of the men's lives, whichever one it is, there was a particular situation that they were facing that was just, and that's what Psalm 119 deals with. Whatever it, it never tells us, it never describes it in detail, what battle was going on, but there was something major that was taking place in the psalmist's life. And Psalm 119 goes through that. It's an incredible psalm. And at this point in Psalm 119... The fact is, the psalmist, and think of who this is, we're dealing with either likely Ezra, if not King David. By this time, he's out of strength. He feels helpless. He feels useless. And we'll see that in the text. I'll draw those truths out in this text. The problems that he is facing just simply appear to be overwhelming. 
even in this text, we're going to see here, even though this man, regardless of his David or Ezra, knew the Bible and knew it well, it seemed as if it was failing him. That he, he was having trouble finding help even in that. There's certainly times that we are there when it seems as if even the Bible is not helping. That there's distresses and trials that seem to be overwhelming. And then you just hear the preacher say, well, the answer's in the Word of God. And it just, at times, can see insufficient. It's not, trust me. We're going to see that. It never is. It never is. I have seen it in counseling with people that were facing great distress and quickly dismissing the Word of God. And it's not most times that I condemn that. I don't. It's time you show grace. I mean, there's a psalmist here, uh, uh, one of the greatest men who would ever live, whether it's Ezra or David, in the same place in their life. There are times when things can just be overwhelming in your life. But in this, the truths we get from this section show us what he did when he arrived there, when his strength failed, when he had doubts, when he was even questioning the Word of God, what he did. How he handled his distress. The fact is we all need to know what to do when we feel overwhelmed and problems arise. Psalm 119, really the entire chapter is amazing for that, of how to stay true and how to stay dependent upon God. And again, it's easy to say, but there are challenges when you put it in practice in life because we're dealing with this sinful flesh. So I'm going to break this down into a couple of areas here. We're going to, I'm going to spend probably the most time in the first point here, looking at his distress that he describes from verses 81 and 83. And then we're going to see another problem here. Was God delayed? Was God delayed from that? Uh, we're, going to look at, we're going to look at where God was delaying to the discernment, though, that God gave him. And then lastly, what he drew, how he drew strength. During this time, where he was at right here and his solution to it. But first, let's get into looking at the distress that he is in and how often we certainly can relate to this. Verse 81, he says this, My soul fainteth for thy salvation, but I hope in thy word. Mine eyes fail for thy word, saying, When wilt thou comfort me? For I am become like a bottle in the smoke. Yet do I not forget thy statutes. I've titled this message after that section right there, simply a bottle in smoke. So in his distress, we learn this. We learn that his soul was fainting. In other words, his inner strength, it was giving way. It was failing. We're not dealing with physical strength. We're dealing with that thing that drives you, that keeps you going, that allows you to think right and do right. And his inner strength was just coming down. It seemed as if it was just overwhelming. He was waiting on God's salvation. Again, he's not dealing with salvation from judgment. He's dealing with salvation from the problems that he was facing. And and, and up to this point, he can't see it coming. He's waiting. And he's telling the Lord, listen, I'm waiting. I am waiting. But my strength, my soul fainteth. He's waiting on God's deliverance. Listen, we've been there. When you're waiting on God and your strength is failing, you're going to see as we go through this, one of the keys for this man was this. He never 
stopped waiting on God. How often do we allow the distress to kick us over that edge where you stop waiting on God? That never happened in his life. It certainly can be difficult at times when instead of waiting upon God, you allow things to get a hold of your heart that are not right and you begin to allow anger and bitterness to set in. And again, I can speak from experience, not only with the situation going on right now, but I, I, you know, again, I'm not going to get into any of the details of it here this morning, but the distress of the first six months of moving to an island in the South Pacific was enormous. And it wasn't until, I'm not going to, many of you know the story, visitors will not, but it wasn't until that simple bag of Doritos came into play. Everything changed. I'm not, my family, I'm not kidding. Everything changed that day. Because my perception changed. It was no longer about the circumstances and the trials. It was back to being about God. Remember this. The goal in life is never what we do for God. It is God. And attacks come and trials come. They cause you to forget all about that. He does mention here in that first verse that his soul fainted, but he still had that hope. He said, I still have hope. My soul fainteth for thy salvation, but I hope in thy word. Listen, hope is an important emotion. Hope is key when your strength fails. You never want to get to the place of hopelessness and despair. And the psalmist was preventing this from coming in. The Lord knows it is hope when your soul fainteth. It is still hope in the Lord that allows you to press on. It is hope that, that puts in your mind and in your heart when it's the hope's in the right place. In God. That it gives you the anticipation of what the future can bring. Listen, don't let the devil come and steal your hope. Your, your thoughts are, are over with at that time. They are. They're done. You will see everything through a prism and through glasses. Everything will be tainted from that point on. Just like we sang this morning, I appreciate the, the songs that Mitch had picked out. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? What does he say? Hope in God. Stop removing God from the equation. We won't turn there for time's sake, but even get into even in Hebrews chapter six, and it giving out an important principle when it comes to hope, as it serves as an anchor for your soul. One of the most important times you need an anchor is when it's rough out. Do you understand? That's the hope that provides that in your life. And the psalmist would say this, and my soul faith, if my inner strength is gone, he said, but I still have this. I will hope in God's word. I will hope in the Lord. Hope in no way quenches your desire for a, a speedy 
resolution to the trial that you're facing. It doesn't. But what it drives you to is more persistence and importunity, begging God for help. Seeing Him as the answer. Spurgeon said this. Listen to this. These words, just five words. Boy, it's so true. This was Spurgeon's commentary on this section. He said this. Hope sustains when desire exhausts. Because many times that's what drives us, is desire. That's a good emotion that God gives us. It can give us energy and strength and goals and whatnot. And, and, and he's dead on. That's what that verse is saying. It is, it is hope that's going to sustain you and that desire is exhausted. I think of Job, when I read that, the verse immediately that came to mind was Job. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. It's recognizing that God is good. And he's good all the time and he is there. That you can't cast all your care upon him for he cares for you. So often in distresses, we choose to turn from that. When that is the answer. Look at verse 82. He's still describing his distress. He says, Mine eyes fail for thy word, saying, When wilt thou comfort me? His sight was failing. Not only was his soul fainting, but his sight was failing. And again, he's being incredibly transparent and incredibly honest as to what he's going through. He's not trying to play the spiritual giant. He's being honest. He's getting getting to a place where he cannot even see the answer even in God's Word. Remember, the problem is his eyes were failing. Not that the solution was not in God's Word. It was here. It's his eyes that were failing. A good example of this we have in the Word of God really crystal clear for us is John the Baptist. An example of a man whose eyes started failing him. And the Lord working to correct that to be a help to him. He is the man that was that forerunner of Jesus Christ. He had the people following him and baptizing. And Jesus comes on the scene and and you see his meekness and his humility. He must increase. I must decrease. He understood this was the Messiah. I mean, he sees him before he baptizes him. Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. There is no doubt. There is no question. He tells his own disciples, no, this is the one. It's not me. It's certain. It's set. His faith is strong. There is no doubt. But you know in his ministries he preached against Herod's sin. He's thrown in jail. He's put in prison as he condemned it. And it's there distress began to come in. Days became weeks. Weeks became months. He became discouraged, disillusioned. Almost saying the same words you can hear him as a psalmist did here in our section. When wilt thou comfort me? I believe it's very likely that he, like the apostles, believed that Christ would establish his kingdom. And now he's in prison and the mind games are taking place. 
and, and, and he assumed that he would come in and even overthrow this government and the kingdom would be established. Perhaps even going to God's word and seeing, yes, I, I, know, I know the Messiah will establish the kingdom. The Bible tells us that hope deferred maketh the heart sick. That's where he's at. So John sends messengers to Christ asking him, Are you him? The same man who had boldly, with certainty declared, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. He sends the messengers. Jesus' response was, again, he knew his eyes were failing. He says, this is what I want you to tell them. I want you to tell them what you see. You're going to be his eyes right now. You're going to remind him of things. I want you to tell them what you're getting ready to see. And I believe at that moment, Christ did a lot, miraculously, with exactly what he's describing, the blind being made to see. Allowing those men to see that they had, but just to see it afresh. Reminding him that when he goes, no, listen, I am the one. I am. Christ working on strengthening his hope, strengthening his faith. But we can get to a place where even our sight begins to fail. We fail even when we come to God's word. It's just deluded and we're having trouble understanding and seeing. Like he said, he needed comfort. He needed revival. Again, the problem was not God's Word. The problem was his viewpoint of it because of the distress. So the psalmist's eyes are what are speaking to us here. They were showing the distress, the hurt, the frustration. And listen... It's really hard to lie with your eyes. It is. You can do it with your mouth. You can do it with your tone. But the eyes are actually very hard to deceive somebody with your eyes. I remember, I've been, we see that here in Scripture, but I also learned that even when I was in the Air Force, when I went into uh, uh, the, the leadership schooling, um, after making E5, the leadership schooling there, they had a section which was probably my favorite part of the, of the entire section in dealing with subordinates. And, and the, the guy teaching was an incredible teacher, actually. And he dealt with the importance of eyes when you're dealing with subordinates and what to look for and what they tell you. Because you want to know why? Just like his point was, same thing. They're hard to lie. It's kind of like it says in Psalm chapter 6 and verse 8. The Lord hath heard the voice of my weeping. Your eyes, your tears many times show something that is genuine and true. He goes on with his distress. Look how he describes it next. His soul was fainting. His inner strength was going. His eyes were failing for thy word. He's even having trouble going to God's word to see it. He's still hoping in it. Don't, we're going to see that. But he's still, he just can't quite see it. It's, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say it now. We'll get to it later. But even then, you trust it. You still use faith. 
Even if at that moment you just can't see it, you don't see why the delay is there, you hold to it. Now he describes next what he was going through. I'm like a bottle in smoke. This is an interesting phrase. If you go back to one of the sermons on Matthew, I can't remember where it was, I get into great detail how these bottles were made that he's referring to even in Psalm 119. They were made from animal skin, used to hold water or wine, primarily being grape juice, the wine. And I will go through a series on that between alcohol and, and, and grapes and fermented and non-fermented because the same word for grape juice here scripturally would be the word wine. So not every time you see the word wine in the Bible is it dealing with a fermented substance. But nonetheless, this was, it, w- it would hold it. They put the water, the wine in there. And if smoke got, let's say it's in a room and, and th- that room got permeated with smoke, whatever substance was in there was, was ruined. Because the smoke would just seep through, get into the substance, the, the bottle would smell like smoke. When you, when you drank it, it just had the flavor now of smoke. It rendered it useless, ineffective. So his trials, so he's comparing his life to that. He's saying his trials on the influence of the battle of the world were like smoke. And he looked on himself as uh, as the bottle. Let me get a drink here real quick. He's saying with all that was taking place, he felt contaminated. He felt useless. He at one time saw his purpose and what he was to do in helping, in giving life. But now it's as if all these trials and what's taking place is just permeating me. And that's all there is. He felt as if it's just spoiling him all the problems. There's times that it seems in your world that that's all there is all of a sudden. You can't take your mind off of it. It's just that. But he gives the, as he goes on there, he said, Yet do I not forget thy statutes. He's still clinging to it. He's letting the Lord know, I know I'm here in this place where my inner strength, my soul fainted, my eyes are failing. I feel like a, a, a bottle that's impermeated with smoke. Yet I am going to hold to thy word. Now verse 85, number 3 here. We see discernment that is God-given. And I believe God does this in our trials. The proud have digged pits for me, which are not after thy law. Again, he's still getting back into the issue that he's facing. But the pits he's referring to that enemies would dig, they weren't out in the open. They, you, you, they were meant to trap you. They, and that's what he's dealing with here. But you can see there's a measure of discernment that's been given to him. The discernment is there because he didn't leave the Lord. Do you understand that? He, still, he says, I'm still going to hope in God. I'm still going to hope in your word. Even though my strength is failing, my eyes are failing, I'm feeling useless right now. I won't stop that. But you're seeing that in this verse bearing fruit in his life. And I'm telling you, in trials, when they hit, it's so important that you have that verse 85 where you have discernment to see the traps of the devil. Because it's in that time he knows he's close, he's close, he's close. The traps will be set. So the Lord gives him discernment to see that. God was protecting him even in the trial. 
You can see this even in the life of Joseph. Still the discernment that was there and all the distress and everything being overwhelming and everything that he was going through without understanding. Yet discernment was there. He understood what they were doing was against God's word. He knows God's word does not employ evil means. Then 86 through 88, we see the last D here where he's drawing strength. He says, all right, now this, this is the condition that I'm in. I have, he has laid out his distress. His soul is fainting. His eyes are failing. He's like a bottle in smoke. There are traps set. But in that we see, he recognizes it. We see the discernment is what I want you to remember about that. He's going to need that as a result of hoping in God because, listen, traps are going to be set. Now look how he draws strength. Verse 86. In the midst of this, of, of, think of the context that's what, of what's taking place. Now, verse 86. All thy commandments are faithful. They persecute me wrongfully. Help thou me. They had almost consumed me upon earth. But I forsook not thy precepts. Quicken me after thy loving kindness. So shall I keep the testimony of thy mouth. Now what we have laid out for us where he was drawing strength from. When he was feeling overwhelmed. We see him seeking for God's help. Listen, when a person is in distress, he doesn't have time for many words. He doesn't. When a person is in genuine distress, there's not time for a lot of words. You can think, you can think I should have brought the, the one text up here when we still didn't know what was going to happen in the height of the hurricane when all of a sudden they realized the house was being flooded, the waves were splashing against the windows, and the text that came out. It was just a few words. Pray. It's bad. There isn't a great explanation of, what, of everything taking place. There isn't many words that are there. Usually when a person is in distress, asking for help, going to God, it's not a time for many words. He makes clear as he's going through this, he has no fault in God's law. Do you know the amount of people, whether consciously or unconsciously, because of, 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 of a paradigm shift in their thinking, where all of a sudden... They start battling the wrong enemy. He said, listen, I didn't do that to God's word. I stayed faithful to it. He had no fault with God's law. Even though he's fallen into into deep trouble while he's obeying it. He's trying to follow God's word. He's obeying God's word. And he's in the middle of this distress. And he's basically saying, I I find no fault and I'm staying faithful to it. I'm not putting blame there. He's keeping the right enemy in mind. That's what he's doing. Basically saying, whatever the command might cost me, I'm staying faithful. 
I know, I know that staying faithful to this commandment right now, it's rough, it, it's difficult. He said, but I know it's right. Listen, when, when feeling overwhelmed, boy, guard yourself against that anger and that bitterness that can come in. You'll start battling the wrong enemy. You'll start battling the very thing that's there to help you with strength. Don't confuse your help for your enemy. Verse 87, we see him telling how he, how he stayed faithful to God's word. I forsook not thy precepts. Two words really stand out, in the, stand out in that verse. Think about this. Think what's going on, how he described his distress. They had almost consumed me upon earth, but I forsook not thy precepts. Two words, when feeling overwhelmed, I think that are key. The word almost and but. Almost. You can think of great verses in the Word of God, like in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Is it verse 13? There is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able. And just like he goes on as that verse finishes, he's talking about he will provide a means of escape. And that is dealing with sin. But that's true in so much in our life. Whatever it is that you're facing, you have God's grace. There is enough. Don't turn from the one who has the answer and begin breaking his precepts. Stay faithful to Him. Just say, Lord, I don't understand. My strength is weak, but I know this. I have to stay faithful to You. And you ride it out. You trust Him. He stayed obedient. His foes almost destroyed Him. So to make him fail altogether, but he didn't give in. I forsook not thy precepts. See, I'm still, even though I, my strength is failing, it's there. I, he, he still had to have faith at this point. Do you understand this? Genuine faith, because his eyes were failing, his inner strength was failing. So I've got to have faith that still is the answer, even though I'm not understanding it or seeing it right now. He stayed obedient. Verse 88, <clears throat> he asked for life. Quicken me after thy loving kindness, so shall I keep the testimony of thy mouth. He asked for life. He knew he needed this. He had the law, I'm saying favor, but now he's asking for life. To be quickened. There are times we need to go to God and say, Lord, just quicken me. Revive me. Refresh. Give life. Fresh life. There are times the weariness, the just things taking place. We just have to go, Lord, please, quicken. Notice this prayer is changing at this point. Different than, it was more clear when we were going through Psalm 119. At this point, he's not praying for the distress to end. He's praying for the strength to go through it. We go to God and ask Him to refresh us, to quicken us. It's one of our best protections from the tempters, from persecutors, from the thoughts of quitting. 
is we need life. It's even then, when you're seeking that from God, that freshness, where you can begin to see, have to have joy, even in the midst of sorrow. We dealt with that when we were in First Thessalonians, and, and in chapter 5, where he talked about rejoice evermore. So often, when the trials hit and they overwhelm us, they consume us, what is still good around us, we tend to forget. We tend to forget. We stop living. You need quickened. You need fresh life. I think of a, a person that I, that I knew very well growing up. I'm friends with their, their kids. They had two daughters and a son. Me and the two daughters were about the same age. It was not quite, we, I was not related, but they were cousins on the other side of the family of cousins that I had. So we, we would get together quite often. And I was, I was here in Alaska. This would have been in 1998 when this happened. And Denny was, was the son. He was driving to work. He was about 20 years old, I think, at the time. 2021. 20, he fell asleep at the wheel on the way to work. Lost control of his car and was killed in the accident. Now, nobody knew where his, his car went off the road. They couldn't find him for a while. The person that finding him wasn't the police. They called the police. Work didn't show up. A worker called the parent. Hey, we don't know where he's at. And the person who found him was his dad. The person who found the car was his dad. And how the mom took it. And I haven't talked with her in several years. This might have changed, but I knew the last update I got. It just completely changed her life. From depression hitting. And, I mean, one of the most difficult things you can do is losing a child. And <clears throat> there were still some good things she forgot, though. She had two daughters. Two daughters. Because that trial was consuming her life, she forgot about the two daughters. I remember when my cousin, when I went down for the funeral for my cousin, I remember my uncle, he's always, always been a person of strength. And that was maintaining even then when he lost, lost his son. And the funeral service had just ended and we were talking. We're still there. You know, the casket's just a few feet from us. And I can't remember his exact words right now, but I remember him telling me how, how I know I still got two boys. I still got two boys. There are times when, it, when those trials can seem overwhelming and you tend to lose focus on the good that is still there. And when you do that, your life is gone. See, much of this is about perception. It's about just simply maintaining faith in God. Say, God, I'm going to trust you. Even though it's here right now, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to, I, I, I want to maintain that faith, that trust in your word. Even though I don't understand, even though I can't see the answer, even though I don't understand. Actually, I even went right over that where God had delayed. It, when you come back over here, 
Uh, um, what verse uh, uh, was that? In verse 84. Let me go back up to that because I skipped that entirely just realizing it right now. He said in verse 84, How many are the days of thy servant? How, many, how much time do I have, Lord? Think about it. I, uh, before life is even gone, when wilt thou execute judgment on them that persecute me? In this distress with everything that's going on, he's saying, listen, uh, uh, and God is delaying. Boy, it's in those delays that many times, that's where you begin to have that perception turned in a way it should not be. There are times that God does delay. You have to trust that He is good. That's what you have to do. Trust in His sovereignty, that He is in control. Again, I have a whole message on God's delays from Lazarus. We see, when, when the Lord heard that he was sick, and by the way, by that time he'd already died and the Lord knew it, of course. But the servants didn't know that who sent messages to Christ. He's two day, he is a, a full day's journey away and he waits two days before he even leaves that place. He delayed. He delayed. By the time he got there, that means four days he had been dead. Four days. And he delayed. Why did he delay? Oh, when you go through that section, you can see why. Even as he told his apostles, he even told them in John chapter 10, I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that ye might believe. He's not dealing with belief for conversion. He's dealing with the strength of their faith because he knew what would happen as a result. He knew. And, and you can see the different perception even when, even when uh, uh, Mary and Martha are approaching Christ. Lord, if I'd been here, my brother had not died. What does the Lord tell him? Believe. Responding with the Lord, I know he'll be raised up at the last day. What will serve as that hope, as that anchor, when the strength is failing, the eyes are failing, God is delaying, is still determined to be in a position I'm still going to honor what's right. I'm going to obey God. Lord, help. Give life. Trust Him. I don't know when the answers will come. Like you with anybody, I would hope it's speedily. But there's a lot of things we don't understand and we get to heaven. But you know, I have that hope. That's genuine. That one day this will all be over with. It'll all be over with. And be with the Lord for an eternity. You can see him as he's going through this. He's preparing himself on how to face this. He's maintaining that hope. Drawing strength from just staying faithful to God. Asking God, Lord, quicken me, please. And I love in kindness, quicken me. I need refreshment. Maybe you need to come and ask the Lord to do that. Maybe your perception is so skewed you have allowed bitterness to come in. Lord, please help me. Lord, help me to see things as you see them. Lord, help me not to lose that hope, even when I don't understand. With heads bowed and eyes closed.